Well, today's a big day for Running Things Considered. It is episode number 18. That is 18 out of 19 weeks we have come to you straight. That's right. We're doing a, we're trying our best over here in Atlanta. Today we have a special guest, Nick Simmons, the two-time Olympian, six-time U.S. champ, 2013 world silver medalist, the CEO of RunGum, and now a big content creator on YouTube. Uh, so thanks for joining us on the pod today, Nick. Hey, absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, I guess before we start, I can just kind of talk a little bit about how I uh, got you on the pod, how I, you know. <laughs> hey, I, I tracked you down, as I recall. That's true. <laughs> so I have two pairs of Alpha Flies because my friend is a Nike athlete, not running, but skateboarding. And I have access to some of their shoes sometimes. And uh, I did lose my job due to coronavirus. I was thinking... I'm freaking out a little bit. I need to start selling off my things like what I did when I lived in New York when I was poor and quit my job up there. So I started selling shoes up there. So I was doing the same down here. And I put on Let's Run that I uh, have one pair of Alpha Flies to sell. I put the wrong size on accident up there. But you responded, said to email you. And so I did. But then I said, you can buy them for X amount of dollars if you just want to get me out of your hair. Or uh, you can get on the pod and I'll sell them to you for a lot less. So. That's right. So, oh, yeah, I really I appreciate the discount. I don't come on the podcast either way, just because I oh, like talking no, running. That's okay. <laughs> but I do, I do appreciate the, the discount. It feels I like a cooler story too. It's a way cooler yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's a whole thing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate it. And to, uh, you know, I, I go on Let's Run. I actually, I started reading Let's Run like what, 15 years ago. So I, I go on every couple of days and I just kind of like get, you know, I feel like it does a really good job of aggregating all the news about oh, running in the world. I so I like, well, I like to see the homepage and, and occasionally I'll jump in the message board. I never did as a pro because you can't, you, you can't afford the uh, hit to the fragile ego. But now as a retired <laughs> pro, I like to go on there and just see what people are saying. So when I saw Alpha Fly for sale, I've been trying to get my hands on a pair for like six months now. And Nike told me they'd send me one and then that got delayed. And so I was like, I'm just going to buy a pair. So I, I do really appreciate you um putting them up for sale even though you know it's through difficult circumstances i'm glad i could help out a little bit and i'm glad that we're getting to have this conversation today yeah. i will say this to your listeners the reason i was so excited to get a pair of alpha flies is i'm going to beat the crap out of them for a youtube video so if anyone wants to watch that, <laughs> i kind of had a feeling are you sending them to space <laughs> i don't know if i'll send them to space or if i'll take a box cutter to them or just go for running them you know but i think they're 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 incredible shoes the technology oh, that nike's yeah. put into I've, them I can't wait to try to try to run around them. Yeah, I just put it. I put them on at like one a.m. a couple of days ago and just jogged around the house, and I feel like I was about to get the feeling. <laughs> <That's great>. So, <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're definitely pretty wild, and I'm glad. How about this? Can... So you guys will like this. So I I posted a picture of vapor flies or or alpha flies, and then showed some some Nike structures that I have from like two thousand and seven, maybe. And they're look they're great shoes. Like they're still just fine. And so the Gen Z kids that follow me, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe shoes used to look like that. Like, <laughs> That's what I they're got. Not, they're not they're not that weird. You know? no. The Pegasus twenty eight's the best shoe to yeah. ever come out. <laughs> but it just goes to show you how far shoe technology has come and oh, that yeah, you know, Gen Z as they're looking at an Alpha Fly, that's what a shoe looks like to them. And to me it looks like a monster, a beautiful monster, but like right, something yeah. totally out of science fiction. I mean, it does, yeah, it doesn't make any sense when you look at it. No. I'm yeah. used to like the Adi Zeros from like the, the Boston or 
you know, just sort of like a Mizuno right. that we've been running. Like, like, like when I was a kid and I, and I saw this, I thought it'd be like a prop in like Power Rangers or something. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> so it makes sense. I would be like, it wouldn't, it would help you with running. It yeah. looks like it'd be detrimental. But that's the beauty of it. That Absolutely. is the beauty of it. We're going to do some time trial in here in a couple weeks too. In three weeks, I'm doing a 5K time trial. You saying it? Ouch. Doing it. Three weeks. It's <laughs> the goal. Oh, beat you. Beat me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's 14.49. I've okay. never tried to run a 5K. Okay. Now, now good running. Time. Let's see it. So, honestly, I feel like the ice is already breaking, but we had some speed round questions to break the ice. I wanted to Anyways. talk quickly about Boise, Idaho, because I did look at oh, sure. Bishop yep. Kelly High School. And yep. under the notable alumni, do you know who Max Butler is? He has a school record still, I think. Oh, no. So, Max Butler from bishop kelly was like a notable credit card thief <laughs> oh there we go he and he stole a, a, a two million credit that, card yeah. numbers and brought an 86 million dollars wow and he went to bishop kelly went to bishop kelly i think he graduated like 10 years before you did i didn't know if it was like Clever. a big talk of the talk of the town because john dillinger went to my my dad's high school and he's okay. like big on like their basketball team and stuff oh so. that's great way to track way to track that one down i know i was like yeah, frank abagnale jr from uh catch me if you can is like my favorite yeah. dude in the world so he just kind of reminded yeah. me of him but oh that's great on uh, on that note we can go into some speed round questions again like from the Sidious mag from your instagram from my instagram we got over 200 speed round questions We're wow obviously not doing 200 speed round questions <laughs> take a little while <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be very speedy. But uh, I think we're going to do about 15 questions. So, again, don't think about it. First thing that comes to your mind, just say whatever is off the cuff. It could be running okay. related. It could just be a word. It could be anything. Okay, but cool. These, these are curated questions from our Instagram, from the fans, from the heart of the podcast. So How many you got? How many, how many are we doing? We got 15. 15 okay, lined I can, up. Do, I can handle it. All right, here we okay. go. Okay. <laughs> All so, right, now, now here I want Chris to do some special effects since we don't have our soundboard anymore. Yeah, that's right. Got in the barn. So, you know, here and there, maybe a kicker or something, I want Chris, our editor, to just do something fancy with this. So yeah. in three. Well, also, what is your favorite song? Because we'll make that the intro song. What is your favorite, favorite song, song of all time? Pour Some Sugar On Me. I think it's okay. Jeff Leopard. Right. Okay. <laughs> whenever, whenever people ask for a song they want me to walk into, I always put that one because everyone that's looks great. at it like, that's weird. Just, <laughs> just Pour weird. Pour some sugar on me. All right. I'm ready. All right. Running with or without music? Without, always. Favorite race, good call. Favorite race? Yeah. It just says 2000, favorite race. 2008 Olympic trials. Go-to activity in the off-season? Fishing. Why tanning salons? Good money. <laughs> Why no split shorts? I got big thighs. <laughs> chafing, massive chafing problem. Yeah, all right. I'm getting the thunder thighs as well now in my growing age. Ketchup in or out, in or out of the fridge? In, always, yeah. Do you regret your hair from high school? Frosted tips? No, I was awesome. <laughs> biggest, biggest challenge you've overcome? challenge uh self-doubt Derek Rubis brother <laughs> <laughs> I've got face in the hole quite a few times yeah uh, he's the man <laughs> favorite run gum flavor oh it's a secret we just came out with it we had launched a new flavor on July 1 it's by far our best but that flavor aside I'll say extra strength experiment okay last time you cried <laughs> <laughs> 
good question. Um, whew, must have been in March sometime when I thought the world was going to end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Favorite person to run against? Dwayne Solomon. Dang, dang. Who is your favorite impractical joker? <laughs> uh, what's an impractical joker? <laughs> it's a stupid show that somebody... Yeah. <laughs> pass. Sal. Pass. Um, did, the, did the marathon suck? No, it was pretty cool. A little, little hot and humid for me, but otherwise awesome. And last but not least, favorite place to go fishing? Gosh, there's so many. Uh, I'll say Lake Creek. It's a tributary to the Sayusla River in Oregon. There Winter steelhead. Go. As good as it gets. Are you in Springfield right now? I'm in Springtucky, Oregon, yep. Springtucky, oh. okay. You're, are you I love originally it. from Arkansas? I'm, I was born in Arkansas, raised in Idaho, and then I moved to Oregon when I was 18 to go to school here, and I never left. And I moved to Springfield specifically in 2006 and have always had a house here. Um, oh, even when I was living in LA or Seattle, I was like, I, I know I'll end up in Springfield, Oregon. I'll probably never leave. I love it here so much. Oh, it's great. Oregon's beautiful. I went to Mount Hood a few years ago. And I just oh, yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's yeah, a fun one. I've been looking up like crazy city names lately for some reason, and the one in Arkansas popped up. It's called Arkadelphia. I don't know if you're familiar with <laughs> that's a good one. There's a, there's a boring Oregon. There is a boring like, Oregon, a, a yeah. picture right. with. There's a Paris, <laughs> Paris, Idaho, the Paris of the West. Oh, yeah. Um, what else we got? Yeah, there's, there's some a, good ones. There's a lot in Canada. Um, I've just been, because I got nothing to do. I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing lately is just looking up really stupid, uh, <laughs> city names, and I may go to them. I had a company yeah. car. Uh, but my company car got taken because I they took it back. From, it took it back from you. Yeah, I tried to buy it from them. I said I give them eight hundred bucks. It was a Prius with two hundred thousand miles on it. And Dang! I was like, I'll give you eight hundred dollars right now just to walk away. And they said they didn't take it. Four thousand. Oh come on! I was like, no, 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 no. Dude, this pandemic has been so brutal. I just my heart goes out to you and everybody else that lost their job. It's absolutely unforgivable what we did to the economy. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rant and go off on a tangent. I just say. I'm, my, I think, I'm frustrated for you. No, I think in all honesty, it's been it's been good. Like the job was starting to be a little toxic, and uh, yeah, you know what? I, I'll say this: the pan the pandemic it, and, and any time of hardship, it ruffles the feathers a little bit, makes you really think. So if you were you know getting to the end of that job, it's going to just kick the bird out of the nest. You'll go find an even yeah, better exactly. one. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of just like yeah. me getting out, anyways. I was looking for other jobs. I've been trying to get into something in the in the running industry a little bit. So good. I have some good connections at like Mizuno and stuff that have helped me out a little bit. So that's great. And I I dropped a little bit more cash than I probably should have, and I got a BMW convertible. So you, you didn't um, for a BMW convertible, you didn't how drop many, cash though. How many Alpha Flies did you have to sell to get that? Oh I, yeah, you think I sold your real Alpha Flies? You're just getting a box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the other ones are on a, in a we're you know. Doing That's a awesome. big box shipment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all fake. Um, but yeah, I think Avery, since you guys right. are like the content creators, I know nothing about this. A little clickbait on Instagram doesn't have many followers, but yeah. Avery Bartlett. <laughs> it's a good name though. Uh, yeah, it does all right. I wanted to make a fake mixtape called it the uh the ten best songs you've never heard, and they're all clickbait titles. Okay. You got I don't have any I do have plenty of time. You got plenty of time. You can make it happen. Yeah. Now my producer's You're learning guitar, too. You're yeah. a producer. I learned banana pancakes on guitar. That's right. <laughs> but, so yeah, um, just to set the stage, so I, I guess I, I started making TikTok videos, um, more or less like vlog type, back when I was running at Georgia Tech D1, 
because I kind of saw a market for, I guess, high schools just wondering, you know, what it was like being D1. So I would take little vlogs of like travel videos or like pre-race days, workout days, speed work. And it kind of like blew up very quick. Yeah. So I've only been doing this for like eight months or something like that. And I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, I've gotten, uh, you know, over 100,000 on uh, TikTok. But because it's just a growing platform, it's pretty easy. But the, the, the reason I say that is because as also right before I started my, my pro career and, you know, I'm, I'm big into like marketing myself. You know, I feel like um, a lot of the value for runners is not just like, you know, uh, and, and maybe you can talk about this too, but it's not just like how fast you can run, but just like kind of who you are is also important to that uh, along with how fast you can run. Of course, that's important. So I want to just kind of like, you know, uh, help that sell myself a little bit. Um, yeah, I always said that, that there's no such thing as a pro runner, all right? You're a professional entertainer. Yeah. It's just that people happen to find people running fast very entertaining. There's a lot of ways to be entertaining. You can mm -hmm. set world records. You can be a savvy racer. You could be hilarious on and off the track. So my, my thought was I'm going to get paid better than anybody else, not only because I can run fast, but because I'm going to be entertaining and have a, a you know, relationship with my fans. I'm going to be the best entertainer on and off the track that I can be. And I guess I just kind of parlayed that men mindset from pro running into now YouTubing. I, I love having a connection with the fans. I love entertaining them. I love uh, thinking up crazy ideas. So whether it was, you know, auctioning off space on my shoulder when I was a pro runner, that was entertaining. It also was lucrative. You know, now I continue that kind of same mindset now as an entrepreneur. Well, see, I remember that because I'm 26 and I know <laughs> some of the other people may not remember that, but you know, I, I remember that. And you know, I always thought like, why hasn't anybody really done this? I know maybe Adam Nelson did it uh, a couple yeah, of years before that, but um, just like understanding that, you know, there's more to running than running. When I was living in New York, a lot of it was just building your brand as an influencer and maybe not how fast you would run, but just how much you're engaging with the fans. And I mean, you're wearing your merch I'm right now. I'm wearing my merch right now. That's and right. it's sold out last time. So, it did. You know. It's awesome. <laughs> Try and do it again. But, and then also, I kind of wanted to go off of that. So now I, it kind of seems like, you know, you've been doing YouTube for a few years, but I feel like recently you've really kind of figured it out. Uh, in a sense, like, you know, I feel like your growth is really, really taken off and you're doing well. And so... My question is, is that if you kind of had uh, YouTube and not only just YouTube, but I guess I feel like social media in general is a little more powerful now than it was, I guess, when you were in your career. Um, do you think you would be in a different, different, or do you think your career would be any different if social media was around back then? Or do you, I kind of hypothetically think of the idea of what if you made YouTube videos in yeah, your career? Yeah, I always say, career? I get asked a lot, you know, because I ran for 12 years professionally, which is a pretty long career. So people say, well, what's your biggest regret from, from, from it? And I say, I always say this and people laugh all the time. By far, my number one biggest regret of my pro career was I didn't start a YouTube channel earlier, which, you know, I, I'm really happy with everything I did on the track. I just could have been set up so much better for the transition after running. Sure. If I had been throwing up all my workouts on YouTube, I'd have millions and millions of followers and subscribers now massive yeah. audience to sell products to and to continue to inspire. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't do that, you know, and I think it's a double-edged sword. One, it takes a massive amount of time and energy and resources to be a successful YouTuber. And that would have detracted from my ability to put all of myself into running. But on the other hand, um, you know, I, I do have a, a entrepreneur's mind. I could have outsourced a lot of that, hired a lot of that out 
And I guess I just think I had the time and energy and resources, especially the last few years of my career. I wish I'd started a YouTube channel earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like kind of talking about like, you know, inspire, like what I like to do or just like my whole thing in, in track and cross country. I mean, it has the biggest participation rate of any high school sport, like by far. I, I love that stat. More than football, more than baseball, more than soccer, it's just more accessible. than basketball. It's yeah. accessible, but there's not many people to look up to in the collegiate ranks no. or the pro ranks. And I have some friends on Tinman Elite, and I went and stayed with them in Boulder for a couple weeks, a couple months ago. And uh, just like seeing what they're doing and like building that brand, it brings so many people into the oh, sport. I, know. I mean, just like, you know, I went to a race in Long Island, the Long Island Mile or something in 2019, and just like kids were just following them around. I mean, like, that's, that's what you want. They, like, right. they have people to look up to. And I think YouTube, like, with you and with Tenman and with some of the other groups that are, like, trying to figure it out now, it's been, like, such a great platform for well, to just at least bring it, new people into the sport. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. It's a good, it's a good uh, observation. There are so many people in high school and college participating in this one, and, and post-collegially participating in this wonderful sport. But if you like basketball, you go on YouTube and there are so many basketball creators. Yeah. Professor, my, my business life. partner's son, AJ LaPre. Yeah, I mean, oh, there, yeah. I mean, there's literally dozens and dozens of these creators. And I know that the audience in running is, is as big or bigger, but there's nobody doing those same kind of videos. And so I think my biggest inspiration, again, was my business partner's son, AJ LaPre. He started making these, you know, fun with basketball and where they do silly videos and fun videos and inspirational videos. And he just took off. I mean, he's got over 700,000 subscribers now. And I'm like, no one, literally no one is doing this in running. There are people posting how to videos. There are people posting their workouts, but no one's just having fun with running. Exactly. Yeah. And so I said, I said, that's me. That's what I want to do. I want to show people just how incredibly fun this sport is. And so that's what I call my channels. I call it fun with fitness, but obviously it has a huge running focus. And, and that's kind of like what was my uh, kind of goal with and, and why I think my channel on TikTok. Because I mean, obviously TikTok is shorter videos. And, and when I say like, I, I have a bit of a different style. Like I make more like minute long videos of yeah. like workouts. But like the, the best parts in the videos that do the best are of when we're in the locker room, jamming out yeah. music, having fun or like, or when you're taking like kids Snapchats and Snapchatting their friends. Yeah. Or like, I'm like, you know, hopping people's Snapchats. So yeah, and I mean, like we had a listener call into the podcast, what, like a month ago now. And it was just like, he, he gave us all these crazy world records, like the handcuff mile or the, right. the, the, what was backwards, it? backwards mile and the flip flop mile or whatever. And then I went out and I broke the handcuff mile. Yeah. World record. I saw, and, and, I saw that one. That one was great. So yeah, that did well. My friend, uh, my foot was hurting, and he went and did it in front of me and got over a million views. Yeah, on he has almost wow. two million views on TikTok. <laughs> but then he ran like four fifty six, but I went out and ran four thirty six and got way less views. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I mean, it's still just having fun with it and just like you know, especially in a time like this when there's like no real races going on, it's just right. like it's yeah. a good time to like kind of step back and just like get back to why I started this sport, which is because I enjoyed it, not because it was like I was trying to make money off of it. Sure. Right. But there is that part of it too. So, and uh, also, I guess, kind of piggybacking off of this all social media talk, um, kind of with, I guess, Tinman, I feel like they're kind of like um, trailblazing kind of a new team style where it's more, I guess, like in or more like team based instead of like, you know, sponsor based, I want to say. Um, 
based on like how that is, you know, really influencing running now, where do you see the, the sport in 10 years or where do you wish to see the sport? I should say, you know, yeah, that's a really good question. I think what they won't tell you and what, you know, the average runner doesn't think about, but what I, every agent and every current pro is thinking about is what does the sport look like after Phil Knight dies? And, and I love Phil Knight. I think he's an incredible entrepreneur, but he and his company, Nike, are single-handedly propping up this sport. Oh, and yeah. in a large part, it's, it's a philanthropic act, right? They, they probably lose quite a bit of money in pro track and field. Yeah. I wouldn't say they lose money in running, but certainly when it comes to pr the pros, they, they probably yeah. lose money. Um, so does Nike continue to prop up the sport, continue to invest in the sport? Um, I hope so. Uh, I would like to see other companies. I think Hoka's starting to step in a little bit in a bigger way. I agree. Um, kind of waded their toes in there, but I haven't seen any big moves from them lately. You know, we need more companies than just Nike pumping up the sport. Um, in order for them to do that, they're going to need to see a positive ROI. It can't always be a philanthropic feel good story. There needs to be a way for them to make money. Um, and it, not just them, the meat directors need to make money and the athletes need to make money and the coaches need to make money. Everything needs to be done for profit. And so when I look at the way track and field is set up in the United States, it's run by a nonprofit entity. Imagine if all of golf was run by the USGA. There yeah. wouldn't be, there wouldn't, it wouldn't be a sport. You know, yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be as big as it is today. The reason that golf is so massive today and there's so many billions of dollars going into it is because of the PGA, which is a for-profit yeah. for entity. So until we actually look at track as a business and try to run it as a for-profit business with a profitable business model, it's, it's always going to be a bit of a charity and a bit of a nonprofit. So yeah, I the mean, future I, of track has to go that way if we want to keep it around. I mean, every time I watch a track meet, I, you know, we, we, we get like the low end commercials when they go to commercials and I just, oh, so, I hate yeah, it. Horrible. I hate it. It's <laughs> like, were you, you diagnosed with blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, come on. Like, this is the best we got. This is the U S championships. It's like there has to I, be money into it. And the same thing at the same time where that I talked to you, I maybe talked to Jeremy about this, but just like going to, you know, a, a world championship, you know, maybe as a Brooks athlete or as a, a new balance athlete or whatever, you're, you're wearing your Nike kit, no matter what. And there is that rule saying that you can't really promote your sponsor, you know, while you're at the world championships, while you're wearing that Nike kit. And I just think that alone kills so much marketing opportunity it does for brands. Yeah, it does and I, that's why i fought that so hard yeah i mean heck, run gum sued usatf and and uh usoc for what we would consider antitrust violations um you know and and we weren't successful in that but that that's what has to change i mean this is a trust they yeah. acknowledge in 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 the uh court hearings they acknowledge that it is a trust but that they have immunity you know so why you know why we are allowing that to happen is just beyond me. The entire sport of track and field, of professional track and field could be bought up, you know, for pennies on the dollar because it's struggling so bad right now. You're watching what's happening with IAAF, now World Athletics, um, you know, and they're, they're in serious, serious trouble financially right now. Yeah. We'll see how they survived uh, 2020 and what, what, what restructuring they, they need to do. I think one of the things that's given me a little bit of hope is that I think Seb Coe is a brilliant businessman. I, and I think he, he comes from the sport. He was an athlete himself, very talented athlete. Exactly. I feel, I feel like he, he knows things need to change. Yeah. You know, recognizing you have a problem is the first step to correcting the problem. And he recognizes that track and field has a serious problem right now. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that goes along with just like going when I was at USA's in 2019 at Ocean Breeze in New York. I mean, like I'd say 89 to 90% of those people were unsponsored, you know, yeah. like they're doing this for, because they want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're so talented at something, like if, if you were, let's say you get top five at USA's and you're an unsponsored athlete, you're wearing a, you're wearing like a tank top and you make, you make a couple thousand dollars from that. But like, if you were the top five in your, you know, career path or like at your company, like you would be making millions of dollars. So, I mean, there has to be a way, well, we got something popped up here. There has to be a way to make track more profitable. And I think the way to do it is a lot of the times through the, like the social media that's happening right now. So I'm hoping that brands catch on. I think a few have, like you said, Hoka has a little bit. I'm actually trying to get a job with Hoka, so maybe that will help. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, obviously Tenmin and through Adidas, kind mm-hmm. of like Osmosis has done it as well. So, but they're printing their own merch and you're printing your own merch and doing independent stuff like that. So, I mean, I think that helps at least just draw new people into to the sport. Absolutely. And, I mean, we have all comers meets that kids can show up to. So for sure. Yeah. So sorry for going on a tangent. I get, I get, uh, worked <laughs> up when it comes to talking about how the sport needs to be making some more money. So I think that was a great conversation. I think it is about time to answer some questions. We got so many questions this week. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys for calling in. Um, and it was hard to pick. Yeah, if you don't hear your question this week, again, we probably got like 40 questions this week yeah. that were called in or text. So if you don't hear them this week, we're going to try and spread them out. We usually do three questions a week, three to four questions a week. So, And uh, just to be clear, the number to call in, text. Yeah, just call or text. Leave yeah, a voice don't do anything else. And also don't call the old lady that Avery accidentally put the number on. Yeah, so don't. <laughs> you have a lot of voicemails. That's right. So the number is 646-780-9218. If you want to call the old lady, yeah, you do yeah, 1-9 instead of 1-8, but yeah. don't, don't do that. Don't call, <laughs> don't call the old lady. She yeah. had a lot of, uh, of voicemails. <laughs> so getting into this first question, um, we're just going to play the audio. If, if you can't hear it, Nick, let us know, but I'll probably just put it into Yeah, I think it should be good. Hello, guys. I am a huge fan of the podcast, and I'm calling you from a track in Connecticut. I'm out here getting it right now, and I, I and I got a burning question for the pod. So, if you were to run from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean across the entire United States, how long do you think it would take you? How would you go about it? How would you split it up? I'm wondering what you guys would do. How would you would go about it? Love the pod. Keep up the good work, boys. So the, the one thing I want to say about, about this is running from one part of the country to the other, or I guess east to west coast, is actually someone, someone on TikTok did that and made a big thing. He was the real Forrest Gump, and he actually follows me on TikTok. So shout out the real Forrest Gump for actually doing that. Yeah, I actually knew somebody who skateboarded from Virginia to California. Really? Yeah, I don't know if he ever finished, and all of his videos were just like him pushing, and they were really loud <laughs> I didn't really finish them, but it is possible. I was also really wrong on how far it is from Atlanta to LA. Obviously, you don't have to end in LA, but that was just what I thought about. So the way that I would do it is I would start in New York City in Red Hook, where I was living in Brooklyn. I'd start at Hometown Barbecue, okay. the best barbecue <laughs> spot in New York. I was watching a show on Bon Appetit yesterday. 
and it got me a little nostalgic. So it was right next to the track. I'd go there every time I'd work out. <laughs> so I'd start in Red Hook, and then I would go through Indiana, see my family, and then just kind of make my way through Missouri. I, for, for a lot of people who don't know about Missouri, I ran SECs at Missouri my freshman year, uh -huh. and they have a trail that goes through the entire state of Missouri. It's beautiful. So, I mean, I feel like you could kind of knock that. I mean, it would take a while, and you'd have to like, right. figure it out. But I'm not thinking logistics at the moment. I'm thinking about just making it. So <laughs> going through Kansas would probably be the most boring, but then going to Colorado, you would kind of get, you know, a little bit of a, a break, and I would visit my Perhaps friends it. for 10 minutes. That's yeah. right. And I run mags. You no know, doubt. Why not? <laughs> just go ahead and run mags. And then, you know, just skip a couple of states, go through Boise, Idaho, one of the best cities that I've, you know, been told. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely end at Nike campus on the track, and I'd have to close in 59.9. I think that's how I'd do it. Incredible. So, do, uh, do you have any thoughts on this, Nick? Well, it's I interesting. It's an interesting <laughs> yeah, I've, I've climbed uh, the top of most of the states in the United States, but uh, it's interesting. I've actually been studying this a little bit because I want to bike across America. I'd like to, uh, to do that here in the next few years. But with regards to running, I think because everything's got to be done on Instagram and YouTube or it didn't actually happen, I would start in L.A. and go to New York. Mm -hmm. And I would make a big production out of it. So you got to have the two big cities involved. And I would invite people. I don't want to do it by myself. I'd invite people to run legs with me. So to make it more fan friendly, I'd probably do 10 miles a day. So I'd do 10 mile chunks. And I believe it's 2000, right around 2,800 miles to yeah, go from like LA to New York. So at 10 mile chunks, what is that? 280 days? Yeah. My math's right. More than 280 yeah. So, so I'd, I'd probably do it that way. I'd make a big production out of it and uh, invite, invite people. I'd, I'd, map it out prior to even starting and say, Hey, come run, a, come run a leg with me and just see how many people we could get out and, you know, try to inspire people to get out and be fit. That's, that's what we're all about. I think that you said it doesn't, if, if you didn't get it on, on camera, it doesn't count. I think there was a, a couple of years ago, there was a, there was a let's run thread about a guy who was running across America and they found out that he was just like hopping in the car. Really? Like somebody was like following him. Wow. Yeah, he didn't have any cameras. He just said he was doing it. So. That's crazy. You will be caught. Incredible. And persecuted by the Let's Run message boards. <laughs> they'll get you. They will even get you. you. Even if you have video evidence, they'll still, they'll still they, call Yeah, me. they think you like sped it up. Or, <laughs> let, yeah. me, let me tell you a true story about the Let's Run message boards. This is the last time I read it as a professional. It was probably, I was like 20, I must have been around 25. I had just made an Olympic team. You know, I just signed a new four-year deal with Nike. And my big goal was to run sub 144. And there was this big debate. I said, I'm going to go to Monaco. I'm going to try to break 144. And there's this huge thread. Nick will never break 144. He's too short. He's too stocky. His running form's too ugly. I will eat my shoe if Nick Simmons ever breaks 144. I go to Monaco. I run 143.8. Okay, okay, okay. He, he proved me wrong. And there's dozens of people saying this. Proved me wrong, but he will never, ever break 143. And of course I did go on well, to break 143. It just goes to show you that nothing's ever enough for some people, you oh, know, and you can't, you is, can't, it's, it's toxic and you can't be doing, if you're, if all you're in the sport force to try to prove people wrong, I mean, you have a never ending source of motivation because there will always be people <laughs> yeah. doubting you. I could run 142 and people said, Oh, but he'll never run 141. I could run 141. Oh, but he'll never run 140. You just have to ultimately do this for, sport for yourself. It's sure. the only sustainable way. And I, 
I especially mean that once you hit the back end of the curve and you start slowing down, which yeah. is where I'm at, there has to be an inner fire, a burning motivation to go out and be the best version that you can be on that day. And you can't be doing this for let's run trolls. You can't be doing it for any other reason. Yeah. My, uh, it's, my it's roommate not in had quite a few, uh, let's run threads about him. Cause he was on the back. He ran at university of Oregon. His name's Daniel. Okay. Do you know What's Daniel? His name? Daniel Wynn? Yeah, of course. Yeah. He was my roommate up in New York. So and oh, cool. Steve Finley was my coach. Did you, did you run with Steve? Steve was my roommate for two years. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. He that and I used to go coach. fishing all the time. Yeah. That was my coach in New York. He was uh, the coach of the Brooklyn track club, but right. That's right. The elite yeah. side of things too. But it was like the first year that we had really gotten into it. So I think they've yeah. quite a bit. They've done a great job growing it. So happy. Oh yeah. And uh, speaking on this conversation, uh, I kind of think it, it, I had a question I wanted to ask you, Nick, about talking about people online with opinions and whatnot. Um, for, for you generally, what do you think the haters get wrong about you and what do they get right? Wow. That's a really good question. I've never been asked that one. I think what, what they get right about me is that people call me egotistical and money hungry. <laughs> and I'm, this is a, this is a world's first for your podcast audience. Right. I am I am egotistical. I am money driven, but guess what? There is nothing wrong with that. Okay. I agree. I'm trying to make there's no, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being ego driven. So long as you recognize it and you keep it in check. I mean, ego is what allowed me to run 12 years professionally. Ego is what allowed me to make an Olympic final. Ego is what got me on two Olympic teams. Sometimes there's something to be said for being ego driven, but through it all, I had a sports psychologist. I had a family that said, Hey, harness that for, for the track. But when you step off that track, make sure you can come back and be the, you know, kid that grew up on a farm in Boise, Idaho. And so I, I always remembered where I came from and I always knew I'd get back to that place one day. It's a place of happiness. You know, being ego driven entirely is not necessarily a happy existence, but damn it, it fueled me. And it still fuels me in business today. I want to be successful. I want to beat my competitors. So the haters say I'm, I'm ego driven and I'm focused on money. Well, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. What do you think? I wake up every day as a philanthropist or I wake up every day as a, as a social worker. I'm, I'm not either of those things at this point in my life. Right now, I'm an entrepreneur and I love being an entrepreneur. So, you know, I, I, I check uh, our, our balance sheets. I check our P&Ls. I'm looking at the dollar signs every single day. So when people say that I'm egotistical or I'm money driven, I'm like, yep, you nailed it. <laughs> and I don't take any offense to that. Where they get me wrong um, is that that's all I am. You know, I, I, I do a lot for this community, not just the running community, but my, my community here and taking care of people. Um, I'm a family man first. You know, if I list my priorities, always from day one, family has always come first. And whether it's my parents, uh, my sister, my brother-in-law, or now my new in-laws my, and my wife, you know, my family always comes first. And um, I don't show that side. You know, I think if people really get things wrong about me, they think that I'm a, I'm a, quote unquote, attention whore. Yeah, I like the attention that I get because it helps me in my businesses. But I'm actually a really, really private person at heart. It's why you don't see me post a lot of stuff about my family. There are certain things that I enjoy sharing with my with my audience, and my fans, and there's certain things that are just for me. So um, my, my happiest place in the entire world is on my drift boat all by myself. Uh, so I, there is this little bit of a dichotomy. There's the public me that I love sharing with people. And then there's the private me um, and that really is my family and my hobbies and, and you don't see as much of that. So that's, that's maybe where people get, get me wrong a little bit. Well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's a great answer. Yeah. I, like I mean, I think at the same time, like, 
you know, I, I ran a business for a couple of years with Grant, my, my best friend. And, you know, I was waking up every morning and checking, you know, how many orders we had gotten that night. And like every time yeah, an order came it's in, exciting. It, was, it was exciting. And then, you know, I built the brand. We had over 85 accounts in four different countries. We we're in Supreme, we we're in Zoomies, we we're in all these different places. So I got to design a shoe with a, you know, with a skateboard company. And it was just like, it was a super cool experience. And of course I wanted to have fun, but at the same time, I mean, it was how I made my money. So I had well, there's be. nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with making money. No. You know, as long as you don't sell your soul to do it, there's yeah. nothing wrong with making money. And I think, you know, I saw this, this stencil on a Eugene sidewalk. Of course you'd see this in Eugene. And it said, uh, capitalism is a virus. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than anything that the human beings have ever created. So to call capitalism a virus is a, is a huge insult to the free market economy. Now, unchecked capitalism will cause massive problems. So you do have to have certain restraints, and that's where the government comes in. And oftentimes they get it right, and sometimes they get it wrong. But let's not let's not you know throw the baby out with the bathwater. Capitalism has lifted more human beings out of poverty than anything we've ever created. Yeah, I mean, I bought this house. I'm trying to flip this house in a couple of years, make my money, and then <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to make money. Really? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. The second I bought this house, I'm like, well, how much is the house next door? I mean, like, yeah. that's how I'm thinking. About it. <laughs> but I could talk about that for okay. 14 years. Um, but this, the next question that we got came actually from a Georgia Tech current student current or student. alum. We don't know. Not on the team, but. Um, shout out, a very way, shout out to the jackets. Yeah, right. I think this is the first time we've had a, a local question. It may be. That wasn't just seven, one of our friends. Seven, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we didn't like make them call in. So yeah. this says, yo, it's Jonathan texting in from the Georgia Institute of Technology with my question. If you were a race organizer with no limits on budget or anything, what kind of race would you put on? Location, surface, distance, or any crazy twist you'd put on the race? So That's a great me, question. I was I was thinking about this, and this is something I've His kind of always had in my head. Just just some curious, you know. I don't really, you know, I'm not going big. I'm just going to talk about just what I want to see. Basically, I I want to see athletes like the biggest athletes, like Noah Lyles, and then biggest distance athletes, like you know, the the people on the former uh, Oregon project do like almost off events. So I kind of want to see like Galen Rupp and Mo Farah and you know a few of his teammates on a four by four. Going against like the best distance. Well, they they said athletes. that that uh, Mo and Usain wanted to do the six. A couple of right, years. and I would want that to. That would be cool. You know, yeah. and that's something yeah. I would want to see. And for the same flip, I want to see Noah Lyles, Grant Holloway. You know, some of the bigger sprinters. You know what I always wanted to do in my pro? Like the one thing I wish I could have done as a pro runner was I wanted to race Allison Felix in a two hundred. Oh, that would have been great. I think she and I would have had the most epic race because she would have been <laughs> up the blocks so fast. But I think I might have been able to catch her and actually. Out of blocks, our PRs are probably pretty close. Do you, would you so, have used blocks? I think I think I legally would have had to, yeah. and I've gotten better yeah. with blocks. But yeah, it, um, but I love your idea. Just absurd matchups, like the the crazier the better. Because I feel like that's just like the easiest clicks. Like if you're on YouTube and you see like yeah. you know like world record holder in the 100 meter runs the mile, like I would click yeah. on it without a doubt. What do you th What do you think, little clickbait? Yeah, well, it's right. Lyle's Mile. The Lyle's Mile. That's what I called it. <laughs> I love it. That's but great. When I was living in New York, we, uh, Daniel and I were living in Williamsburg, in East Williamsburg, right next to the L train that shut down. Or that they thought they were going to shut down due to Sandy a couple years ago. They needed to do a lot of repairs and stuff. And I actually talked to Steve a little bit about this because they shut down 
all of the tunnels and also the above rail, the above ground rail. And I was like, why don't we set down like 800 meters to a mile of Mondo through the tunnel and call it the third rail mile. You have an invitational mile and you have a community mile. So obviously you get people to run super, super fast, but you can also make your money with the community. Yeah. Stuff. But you also, you have people in the tunnel and you have people on top of the tunnel. So they, they don't know where they are at the oh, same time. Really? So they're just racing above okay. and below ground. But you, you, you have photographers down there. You can pay extra money for That would be aesthetic. Yeah. For sure. It's all, when I moved to New York, the guy who was managing the Brooklyn Running Company, who just happened to be my high school coach's son, I moved up there and he was like, I was like, how's New York running? He was like, it's all about pictures. So, <laughs> uh, you know, you can monetize those photographs like so easily. It's just like so much marketing and it would be such a fun event. Right. We're, we're organizing a downhill mile here. Oh, cool. Um, that there, nobody's ever broken four in a road mile in Georgia. Um, and so I think it's like a, a good time right now. And then you obviously have like the community out here as well. But I think the third rail mile, if somebody wants to take me up on this, I know I talked to Steve, but he was a busy dude. So if you want to bring that back up, I would love to do the third rail mile. I would fly up to New York right now and run a mile. Oh, that um, sounds maybe, great. I'd, I'd do it handcuffed. Yeah, I think that's great, guys. Oh, yeah. Um, what about you? <clears throat> well, I've all, so my business partner, um, Coach Sam and I, you know, we've traveled the world. We've been to almost every, every meet in the world. And people have asked us to help put, put stuff on. And I think event production is a horrible, horrible industry to get into, especially in 2020. But I always answer this question this way. If I was to create an event, I, I'm really a big fan of, of copying and improving. So I would just copy the most successful track race I've ever been to, which is the Welt Class Meeting in Zurich, also known as the Zurich Diamond League. Yeah. It is by far the most profitable track and field meet hosted in the world. And it's incredible. They pay the athletes so well because there's so much money being pumped into it. It's a black tie affair. People show up in tuxedos. That's what I love. They, I love they, it. It's, it's, it, it. I've been to horse races before and it reminds me way more of a horse race than it reminds me of a track race. There's gambling. There's bookies on every corner. They, as people uh, file into the stadium, they can stand on the mezzanine and watch the athletes warming up. You get handed a pamphlet that gives stats on every single athlete. It is such a brilliantly run race. You can drink beer. You can get great food. The only way we could put that track meet on in America would be in Vegas. So I'd need a stadium in Vegas with eight lanes. It'd have to be fast. It'd have to have gambling, booze, food, uh, television rights. Uh, that's, that is something I could get really excited about. But I would, I would not go into track and field production with, without television, gambling, and booze. Those three things have to be part of it. And probably don't want it broadcasted on it behind a paywall. Yeah. No, no. Always make it free. Well, I mean, if you're on site, if you're buying tickets, then yeah, you're going to sure. pay to get yeah. in. But I, I, just, I really, I, I, I understand why paywalls exist. But if your job is is to really bring in the eyeballs to it as possible, and you you're you've created a product that is going to bring a lot of eyeballs, you don't need a paywall. Advertisers will will make up for that. Yeah, and hopefully not advertisers that are usually on track and field <laughs> so hopefully we'll get some big ones yeah i like that idea i mean you got me thinking maybe i'll try to find some angel investors <laughs> yeah i mean that that event could be put on for just a couple million dollars i mean it's yeah. really i know uh, i know that sounds like a lot but it's in the world of event production we're getting a few million dollars we're raising a few million dollars to test that out would not be that hard 
Yeah. I mean, and, and to kind of piggyback off that in terms of like copying and, and uh, you know, improving, improving. I, uh, when I was living in New York, I was working for a beer company. I was working for Miller Coors and uh, it was hard to train full time and work for Miller Coors and all those things. But I applied for a job at this place called Mile High Run Club. Um, It's basically just like you go in front of people in Soho with like a Britney Spears microphone and you're like yelling at them to run. Right. And uh, did I never tell you about that? It was the most embarrassing interview I've ever done. In my no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I had to go in front of the owners and create a playlist and then create like a, I had to curate uh, like a workout for them uh, with like flashing lights and all that kind of stuff. But Jake Gyllenhaal was there. Uh, James Franco was there. It was just like what? crazy. I mean, it's New York. Yeah. But, but anyways, I mean, they, they made a lot of money. They had like three or four locations, but, Nothing like that is here in Atlanta. No. There's nothing <laughs> like that. And my thought was you bring that to Atlanta where there's a huge market for it somewhere in like the rittier neighborhoods like Buckhead or sure. Old Fourth Ward or something like that. And it's not a very expensive venture to go on. And then you hire the Olympic track and I mean uh, the Atlanta track club folks who maybe don't make a ton of money and you bring them in so you can pay them and then they also can get work on the side as coaches or whoever it may be. So I had to actually talk to people about doing that. And I found an investor and we had a, a couple of meetings uh, like last year, but keep it on the down though. I will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think it's a good idea in copying and improving things is, is kind of the way to go. But you know, yeah. it has nothing to do with what we just talked about, but there's always ways to hopefully try and make uh, some distance runners money when there's not a lot of money in the sport. So um, the third question we have just came in this morning from Chris. Um, I guess he went out to the track and he set the Crocs world record in the 400 meters. Is there no audio? There is audio. Oh, okay. I'm pulling it up. I'm just, you know, creating a, an atmosphere. Okay. Perfect. But uh, so we can get into that now. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Will Eggers. Uh, I got word that Nick Simmons was going to be on the podcast today. And uh, I just wanted to introduce myself as the man who recently took down his Crocs 400 meter world record. I um, appreciate you, Nick, for giving me the inspiration. You know, I love love the Crocs shoe, and I love what you, you do at that event. Um, but I'm also looking for some more challenges. And I'd like to call out anyone out there who has seen the video. Uh, I think City of Maggie's going to post it today. And I uh, would like to give it a shot. I know Avery Barlow's on the show today. Uh, I'd love to see him have a time today. I know... Uh, fellow detective Joe Delgado is also gonna give it a give it a knock. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how we get that time down. Maybe I'm gonna take a little crack at it. But uh, yeah, excited to see what uh, what you guys whip up. You too, Nick. See you can take another crack at it. Um, but thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for the inspiration. So, Nick, you bet you don't know, but Avery is a big Crocs guy. Maybe the, <laughs> they're great shoes. He should be sponsored by Crocs. I should be. It's unbelievable that you're not. It I really mean, is. I lived very close to the Crocs flagship store in New York. Every time I walked by, I was like, come on, where's come on. his photo? Where's my photo? You need to be on the wall of fame. <laughs> but so I, I've actually done, uh, just for fun, a 200 meters in Crocs. You did it like last week. It, it was like a month ago. Oh, but <laughs> I had quarantine time. Anyways. But I, I did it, but in my Crocs, you know, size for my foot, a little cozy, I like them, whatever, put the action strap on, put them in sport <laughs> mode. But um, 
but I did it and I did just did a 200 as fast as I can. And I first tried going all out to like 10 meters and my, they just flew off my feet. And so I couldn't figure that out. And so the only way to go that I, I'd run, like I was like holding an Oreo in my butt cheeks almost <laughs> yeah. around the track. So, and I didn't go that fast. So it was, like 20, it was like 27, 27. Yeah, I know. I'm going to run 52. I know. <laughs> you got, so, you got some work to do. so I guess I'm, I'm, Going to Nick, the, the veteran, the pioneer of the, the Crocs <laughs> 400, you know, I, I need some tips. I need some tricks, man. Well, you, you definitely need them real snug, um, and you need to lift that sport mode, the, the action strap up as high on your Achilles as you can. And uh, then then it's, it's a lot of knee drive, right? You know, you think about using spikes, and you're using a lot of hamstring. You're using a lot of push-off. Croc 400 running in Crocs is all about knee drive, right? <laughs> so, uh, fortunately, that's kind of my my form in general is a little bit more like forward mechanics knee driven. I mean, um, yeah. yeah. So once you figure out how to keep them from falling out off, I would actually say they're you know ninety some percent as efficient as a spike. So if I could run fifty seconds in spikes, I could probably run fifty two or fifty three in Crocs. They're not that bad. Um, but the hardest part is just keep them on your feet. What if you run 47? I've run 47, yeah. All right. That's good. That's a really good 400 time. He's I say great. that as a 47 guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is one thing I've noticed about you. This is kind of on a tangent, but I feel like, like most of the guys I'm racing against who are like, you know, like 145, 146 can split like 45. Like, Here we talked to Isaiah Harris. Yeah. Split 45 or whatever. Yeah, maybe 44. Maybe 44. Maybe it was 44, but, you know, like some of the best guys. But you were, I guess, more strength-oriented. Yeah, I mean, if you look at my if you look at my PRs, I'm only a 47-4 guy in the quarter. And, again, like if you look at the 2012 Olympic final, every single guy in that heat other than me could probably split 45 or maybe 44. Um, but, uh, but how many of them ran 356 for the mile or 334 yeah. for the 15? So I was always a speed from strength guy. It was never the fastest, but I'm, there's very few 800-meter runners that were stronger than me. I, I did, you know, 70-mile weeks. I was doing 13, 14-mile long runs. Mm -hmm. I, could, I could crank those sub-four-minute miles. So I really approached it from a strength side of things, which you kind of have to when you're built the way I'm built. I was never going to be the fastest guy on the track. But – being a strength-based 800-meter runner has its advantages, especially when you're going through rounds. Yeah. And uh, you did race our teammate, Brandon Lasser, at the, uh, at the Music City. He's also strength. Yeah, he kicked my butt. Yeah. He <laughs> He's still running. He's still running. Good. Good. Yeah, yeah. Club, we, so. we ran together yesterday. Yeah. Good runner. Good. He's still getting it. He ended up getting – I think he got fourth at USA. He did. Yeah. Coming from going 159 in high school. Yeah, to he run one forty five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he ran four thirty and one fifty nine. Nice. That's and did a, ten for two incredible months. development. Yeah. So, and this guy yeah. ran one forty nine in high school. So yeah. Woo. <laughs> uh, and and you you made the dream mile, didn't you? Four oh eight, dude. Oh my god. Dropped. I, I came to the fifteen hundred <laughs> in three forty eight, and then dropped the twenty. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh man, that's tough. I've done that. I did that at Drake Relays. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, that was, uh, that was a tough day for me. And so just we're going to have four questions today. The last one, we put B-Bone, who is our uh, recurring recurring guest on the podcast. We put him in timeout. He didn't call for like two weeks, so he didn't deserve <laughs> to be on the podcast last week. He's going to be on the podcast this week. Um, I guess he called in twice. Also, your cousin called in. Avery's cousin called in, but she's, we're just letting her know she's going to be on next week. 
Shout out, Allie. Shout out, We're going to answer your question, Allie. Don't worry. But, yeah, so we'll get into B-Bone. Nick, just get ready to, to sit back for a second. He introduces himself every single time <laughs> okay. uh, in a different way. So you got about right. five minutes left. But um, if you can't hear anything, just let me know. But uh, okay. this may be a bit jarring. Taking to the bone zone, like Dwayne Solomon <laughs> took himself to the twilight zone. That's right. And he calls in every week, and they're they're about that long every time. So shout out B Bone. Yeah, I think over what eighteen episodes now we've probably listened to twelve at least. Yeah, so we've got it. it we've got at least like, like forty so, minutes of of that. So do you, the do you bone zone. So the, yeah. So I I, I think. What I would say is personalities are good for a sport. Not necessarily trash talking, but personalities are good for any sport. And I, I wouldn't call Usain Bolt a trash talker necessarily, but that guy has personality. He's a true entertainer. Yeah. Um, you look at uh, a, a true trash talker like uh, Conor McGregor. That guy's brilliant. He is a true character, a true trash talker. Um, so those, I think those things are good for the sport. I think what's not good for the sport are people who don't want to show their personality or, or, you know, choose not to. And the, the problem with track and field is that because you're on the track for such a short time, because your training is so intense, how many distance runners do we know that just go to a cabin in the woods and they train for 11 months and then they show their head once a year to race, you know, like it's really hard to know much about that person. It's hard for that person to showcase their personality. Um, so I would, I would, to answer his question succinctly, I would say, personalities are great for the sport 
I mean, I think person. We, I mean, we we obviously agree that personalities are great for the sport. Yeah, my, pers- my personality was so great for the sport that I'm no longer on the track club because of this. <laughs> it is that's unfortunate. That it is unfortunate. unfortunate. History. But um, yeah, I mean, I I would agree. I mean, some trash talking in some sense. I think Centro does a good job with like kind of making yeah, it fun, but also trash talking at the same I, time. I know Craig Engels had a, a an Instagram post saying like, oh, like if you think it's your year, like sit down like I'm, I'm still here or something like that and that posted super super well on instagram yeah got like a bajillion shares so you know that's there's fun trash great. talking like that and then there's like the nitty back and forth via social media we saw at the world championships a couple years oh, back like, you know oh, was that right? yeah it was jenny and craig and there were a whole bunch of people involved oh, right. oh, yeah, just yeah, silly yeah. silly back and forth stuff and yeah, i'm like sure. i think that, 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 that that's a black eye people. that's not a personality yeah like like uh, what we're talking about on social with with Craig posting some brilliant stuff or Connor McGregor, like the the stuff talking behind your back in, in the into the to the media, but not saying it directly to someone's face. And again, I don't know exactly what went on back in in uh, the World Championships there, but um, was that right? World Championships? What year think, is it? Yeah, it was. World. I guess it was 2019 Worlds. Yeah. Um, you just I, I I'm very much a, a fan of people being direct to other people. Don't hide behind some anonymous bullshit name on letsrun.com. Don't have, don't air your grievances in the media. Sit somebody down, have, have a conversation with them. Call them out. Like call somebody out. I, I love when, when people do it on, on uh, social media directly, but uh, you know, uh, there's difference between like patty fights and trap, like what I would call fun trash talking. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think fun, fun trash. Talking. And, like, and it always just like, it, it, you know, it, it, it's good to, you know, even you trash talk me or my friend Jeremy who oh, was yeah. on the track club trash talks me every day. Oh yeah. <laughs> it just motivates me to get out of it's the, just fun. Get out of the house. Yeah. It's what dudes do. Because that what that, that thirty six year old woman ran fifteen oh four yesterday or two days right. ago wow. on five K who was just like a real estate agent and I said, Oh, now I have to run fourteen oh four and he goes, I was thinking fifteen oh three and I was like <laughs> yeah. So now I'm like, Yeah, it, yeah. Now I gotta run fourteen oh four. Also on the, the personality thing, I know for me um, like I think like, you know, I, I've, I've had, you know, a, a above average you know, running career, the you know, opportunity to go pro and whatnot. But like, I feel like as far as like my followers and my attention or whatever, it's mostly like what I post on, on TikTok and on like other stuff. It's like genuine, like just me being trying to be funny or whatever. Cause I even have like people's like, are my DMS a lot, like, you know, always interacting with me or whatnot. And I had this one guy who I was talking to for like a few, you know, hit me up every few weeks or whatever. And I'd respond. And he just now asked me what event do I run, and so that just goes to show that <laughs> he just had like no interest in me as a runner. But more I mean, guys, I, I I would you would be shocked at how many times a day I get people asking me, "Are you training for 2021? How's your Tokyo training going?" Yeah. Like I've been retired for four years, three yeah. years. <laughs> but I mean, like, but yeah, but a lot of a lot of people that are following you. So this is a lesson for all the creators out there. They, they fell in love with you for some reason. Maybe they found you very inspirational or they found you funny or they found you. They're not, they're not following you because you're a good runner. They're following you for some other reason. I, I promise you that maybe they learned about your name through running, you know, as often was the case for me, but they're not continuing to follow me because I'm a fast runner because I'm not a fast runner anymore. So yeah. make sure you're offering something to them, whether it's entertainment or education or inspiration, make sure you're offering something to your following. Yeah. Which it I mean, sounds like you guys are doing. It was cool, like when we were at the trial. So the, the Olympic trials finished like a block behind my house for the marathon in February. Cool. Um, and when we were there, we were just eating. And how many people came up to you? Thirty or forty people. I mean, it was cool. A decent amount. It was yeah. really cool. So, 
I'm hoping that, you know, especially in Atlanta, they're calling it Running City USA. So hopefully, we'll, you know, that will help spark some, some new interest. And especially I'm trying to have a little track club in my community as well. For sure. So. Honestly, well, I think what? I think that was good. I think that was good. I think we're done. Yeah. I got, a, I got a challenge for you guys before yeah. we go. Think up of the craziest shit you can think up of, like a nutty event, like Croc 400 or something nutty. Pitch it to me on email, and I'll fly down, and we'll make a YouTube video out of it. Let's do it. Handcuff mile. I'm saying the handcuff mile <laughs> could take over the blue jean mile. I like. I think I, I, the video I saw was hilarious. I'm doing a mile with my subscribers um, next Monday. That video will drop the following Friday, but I've got something really special planned for this one. I think you're going to like it. All right. Well, I can't wait. Well, it's stupid. Oh, it's real stupid. Oh, I love stupid. I'm a little clickbait. Yeah. I love yeah. stupid. Well, clickbait, clickbait, you're going to love this one so much. Better get your shit straight. That's what I say. The, the, the click-through rate on this thumbnail is going to be through the roof. <laughs> so if, you, if people are still listening after B-Bone called in for 45 <laughs> minutes <laughs> – Call into the podcast, text into the podcast, what should we do? And we will try and get that together with Nick. Um, and we're, we're going to go drink, eat some run gum. That's I right. thought that, so I literally planned on eating run gum before the run today. Avery gets to my house and says, oh, well, I just got done running. And I was like, <laughs> big miscommunication. Big miscommunication. The number, uh, again, to call, text, whatever, have your crazy ideas of a video you might want to see us do, maybe, possibly, yeah. hypothetically. We've done it in the past. We have. The number is 646-780-9218. Not that one. Thank you, Nick Simmons, so much. And My pleasure, guys. Great day. Thank you, too.